This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking, a show about the most interesting people and stories of Mississippi. Hey, April is National Autism Awareness Month, so today we'll sit down and speak with Dr. Jim Moore. He's the Director of Autism Solutions for Canopy Children's Solutions, and we'll talk with him about their program and how they're continuing to make advances in early intervention and awareness. Plus, Michelle and I will talk about the latest headlines in the weekly roundup. And also, too, if you'd like to be part of the show, and look, this will be a good show for you to call in. Give us a ring at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877 877- Seven six seven two seven four six four, or you can email me at marshall at mpbonline.org. Hey, stay tuned. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. tag anytime. It doesn't even have to be up for renewal. Simply go to your county office to sign up. When you get an MPB car tag, a portion of the fee helps MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. For details, visit mpbonline.org slash car tag. We'll see you on the road. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Happy Monday and happy April Fool's Day. Now, um, this show is not going to be an April Fool's Day show, I promise. No jokes, no kidding. Actually, it's going to be a very good show, and it's going to be a very important show, too. Of course, this is the show about the most interesting people and stories of Mississippi. Look, you know... April is National Autism Awareness Month, so today we're going to sit down and speak with Dr. Jim Moore. He's the Director of Autism Solutions for Canopy Children's Solutions, and we'll talk to him a little bit about their program and how they're continuing to make advances in intervention and awareness, too, and we're talking about autism, too, because I think uh, this is a topic that obviously is near and dear to many Mississippians' hearts, and it's one that I don't think a lot of people understand, maybe even up to a political level, too, and I think it's one this show is going to be very, very important on many different levels, and of course, your participation is always welcome, so you can give us a call if you have a question or comment during the show at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464, and I'm going to warn you up front, I may not be the sharpest tool in the shed today. Uh, it was prom weekend, which means I stayed up way too long. I didn't go to the prom, trust me. I am over that. That's 30, 32 years away from the last time I went to a prom. But I will say this. My son went, had a great time. I'm happy about it. I lost a lot of sleep. Uh, but it was worth it. So, but busy weekend. Michelle's here. How are you? We got a big week this week. Um, I'm doing great. Yeah. You said you had the prom this weekend. I know everyone's like, what? <laughs> you went to the prom? Well, no, that's why saying, I had to clear that up exactly. a little bit. Yeah, because that would be creepy. Well, you know what? A lot of people live through their kids again, especially if you didn't get no. to go. No, 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 And, no. Uh, you you know, you get excited and you kind of live vicariously through your children if you didn't attend your senior prom or junior prom. So. No, my, I was actually support group, <laughs> you know, I'm, and, and I know um, my my son's beautiful dates dad was support group too i think there had to be there was a broken heel so a new pair of shoes had to be delivered and oh my. Uh, my son forgot um his shoes afterwards so he didn't want to wear his tuck shoes all right. night so i had to go deliver some shoes at midnight and um let's see there was a severe thunderstorm that happened yes. right after the pictures thankfully uh but in between they had to get to the restaurant so thankfully they got to the restaurant but i had to go deliver an umbrella so there were there were a few things a lot uh, of deliveries so i was support group that was my main job <laughs> and was neat. Uh, and i stayed i watched there was a good show on netflix i watched uh, ricky, Ger- ricky gervais who's the comedian and sometimes kind of an acquired taste but he was the guy that created the office the the very popular American TV show, but he was the of course it was in Britain first, and he created that. But Afterlife is about a a man who lost his wife to breast cancer, and he's in like severe grief and severe depression. And it's not not a um, it's a comedy, but it's not 
a comedy. I mean, it's a very dark show, but it's a six-episode arc, and I'm not going to spoil it for you, but I will say it has a very satisfying ending that anybody who's ever gone through grief, you watch this thing and you go, yeah, I completely get it. So that was what I did between the hours of 2 and 5 o'clock in the morning. In the middle of delivering shoes. And umbrellas. And umbrellas, of course. (laughs) Well, coming up this week in Mississippi, we have a great week in Mississippi. So many events. um, I know. I'll be in, for instance, I know you got a long list. I'll just tell you where I'll be. I'll tell you where I'll be. I'll be in... I'll be in Indianola on mm-hmm. Tuesday. I'm mm-hmm. speaking to the chamber up there at the B.B. King Museum. Right. Looking forward to seeing my friends in Indianola. And I will be in Oxford on Friday to speak to the pharmacy school. And then I will be at Mansdale Elementary School on Friday for their arts. They have a big art celebration of the arts, which I think is fantastic. So I'll be one of the artists there. And I'm going to Madison Ridgeland Academy also to speak to their school. So I'll be out and about. And, yes, MPB will be out and about as well. Keep listening to MPB to see where we will be next. We're going to hit Oxford. We're going to hit um, Hattiesburg. And um, one more spot. I'm sure somebody will tell me in just a minute. But uh, we're looking out for that. So uh, MPB on the move. We're going to get out and about in our state. Are you going to be out and about? Uh, I will be out and about. But I have a lot of other things I'm coming up as well. So I'll be doing conferences on holistic care and integrative care. So um, finishing up this semester in school. So And you passed your uh, test. Congratulations. Course, yes, yes. Passed that test. I think we talked about that last week. Well, yes, I did. No, passed. I think we did talk did. about it. No, I wasn't here. We did. I did pass my comp exam. That was the hardest test I've ever had to take in my life. And you just nailed it. And I passed it. And now I'm on to my certification, which I'm excited. I'll take mm-hmm. that next semester, so in the fall. So I'll study some more this summer and be prepared for that test as well. But speaking of uh, great things, we also have the Blue Cross Blue Shield 32nd Annual Taste of Mississippi. That's happening tonight. Now, again, this benefit um, is uh towards uh, going towards Stupot community services so all of the um funds will support Stupot community services so you want to be in the place tonight ice house in jackson great food great music great networking tonight blue cross blue shield 32nd annual taste of mississippi uh this is one of their biggest fundraisers and again it's for a great call Stupot, they do a lot for the community and serve so many families and individuals great idea for tonight again good networking and also fondren after five is gearing up again so this thursday we start Fondren After 5 2019. I'm so excited. Great after work um, let down if you want to go with your friend girls or your group or take the family. Fondren After 5 again is this Thursday starting of course 5 o'clock. Historic Fondren District in Jackson. So that's going to be a great time. I love this type of uh, this time of year. We have a lot of outdoor events throughout the state. You can always log on to mpbonline.org slash events for all of the events throughout the state of Mississippi. And we went to a concert Friday night over in the Brandon Amphitheater, the new, I guess, fairly new theater, mm-hmm. saw the Zach Brown Band, which was a lot of fun, and took fun. took my middle son, and he, of course, took his girlfriend, and then took my youngest son to his first concert. So that was really great. And it's fun when an 11-year-old just breaks out and starts dancing in the middle of the, middle of the concert. So that was, <laughs> that was a good time. So it was really a beautiful night, and the weather was perfect. Mm-hmm. And I kept thinking, okay, we're about 35 seconds away from it being on 99 degrees and very humid. So I was like, I was soaking it up. Mm-hmm. But the pollen has just been amazing. Amazing yeah. on that. Really, has been great. And I've had to wash my car every day. Yes. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting better at it. The more I do it every day, the better I get. I know. I spoke <laughs> Saturday to a, to a group of teachers, which is real, really a lot of fun. And I said, this this event's sponsored by Sudafed. <laughs> by the way, Taste of Mississippi, you brought that up. I, I, I'm not judging this year. I have judged many years in the past. Mm-hmm. It really is a wonderful event, a mm-hmm. lot of fun. I will say this, though, as being a minor celebrity with a very small C, Judging food contests can sometimes be dangerous. <laughs> now, this one, I, I've never had any problems with Taste of Mississippi because the food's all delicious. They've got the best chefs in the world. But sometimes if you get a hold of mixing food, you know, like four or five different things together, right. it can be it can be rough. Right. It can be a tough thing. It's and quite a especially, especially when the restaurants are great, all of them are good, it's yeah. hard to judge. It, I mean, It is tough, yeah, mm-hmm. because it's like every year, you know, I don't think I ever pick the winner, you know, because there's like several judges, so they do it that way. Um, I take it your bracket's busted over the weekend. <laughs> yeah, I My son just was cursing because I, mean, I think he had Duke to win it all. And, well, you know. I was actually had that up on the computer in here. Um, I don't know. I'm, 
I'm kind of bummed a little bit. Well, I mean, poor Mississippi State. Yeah. That, that women's team just was fantastic, and it was just there was a lot of things in that game that you hate some of the officiating. It was like that was that was maddening and kind of takes you out of it because now I'm not even interested. I'm I know, really isn't that amazing? I mean, when Tennessee got out, of course, that's where I went to school. Uh, got out of the, the men's. I was just kind of like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm done. I'm not used to. Well, the last two years, you know, we were in the championship, so I'm not used to. Mississippi State not being, you know, in the championship. This is new for me. Yeah, I want to see them go ahead and get a national championship because they they have been so good for so long. They have. And, and they and work you... so hard and they deserve it. But, you know, things happen. I know. It, it does. Yeah. So speaking of happening, we have a great show today. Oh, don't we, though? we oh got a great God. guest in there. You know, and this is a topic that, um, and like I said, this is not an April Fool's joke at all. This is a topic today that a lot of people are interested in because it's a big part of their life. We, of course, have Dr. Jim Moore. He's the director of Autism Solutions for the Canopy Children's Solution. And, of course, because April is National Autism Awareness Month, and we're going to help you be a little bit more aware. How yes, does that sound? Yes, yes, Yeah, yes. and you can give us a call anytime at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Healthcare Alliance for underwriting MPB programs. Your company can be an underwriter too. Find out more. Go to mpbonline.org slash underwriting to find out how. The information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Happy Monday, the first day of April. Man, where'd March go? It went away real quick. Anyway, we got a great show today. Thank you for being part of it, and thank you for joining us. And, of course, to be part of the show, you can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. We've got a good show today. Like I said, we, of course, April is National Autism Awareness Month, and we're in the studio joining us is Dr. Jim Moore. He's the Director of Autism Solutions for Canopy Children's Solution. Uh, Dr. Moore, welcome. It's good to see you today. Well, thank you for having me today. And I've really enjoyed the conversations we've had before we came on the air, so I just really am looking forward to this. So thank you. Tell me a little bit, number one, about uh, Canopy Children's Solution. Well, Canopy Children's Solutions, which was once known as Mississippi Children's Home Services, is a Mississippi nonprofit. I believe we're the second largest nonprofit provider of behavioral health care right after University of Mississippi Medical Center. Uh, Founded um, about 107 years ago uh, as an adoption service. Mm -hmm. And it's a wide-ranging array of services in mental health care for children. Uh, we run programs in mental health clinics, uh, MIPAC, which is Mississippi Youth Programs Around the Clock. We manage two day schools, which are which are uh, non-public schools for children with behavioral challenges. Uh, of course, autism is a large part of what Canopy is doing. And just about anywhere you can see uh, children not thriving, Canopy wants to step into that uh, into that gulf and and bridge the gap between them and the best life they can have. Right, exactly. And we're going to get into that a little bit. I think we oh, we got a lot of territory to cover today. But I, first, I'm a little bit curious about you. I want to learn a little bit about about you and how you got into this. Well, um, I'm was born in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, but grew up in Bay St. Louis. So I am from the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Uh, And really, I was raised by an accountant and a research assistant for a German microbiologist. And so in my house, everything had to have evidence. (laughs) 
everything was objective and everything had to have uh, data to support it. My dad would say, uh, it doesn't matter what you think. It matters what you can demonstrate. Right. Uh, and I, I really just had a great childhood growing up in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi, played the drums, played tennis, went to college, had no idea what I was going to do with my life like most people. Uh, decided I would be a band director and uh, encountered behavioral psychology in a course that I had to take called educational psychology, which really kind of clicked with how I was raised and how I see the world mm-hmm. uh, and this this opportunity to help people through data and through a kind of more of a natural science approach, like solving problems like a biologist would or a physicist would. Uh, And so I just started studying that. My wife thought I had lost my mind when I told her I was going to go to graduate school in psychology. Uh, But really what I wanted to do was study human behavior Mm -hmm. and help alleviate a lot of the things that all of us suffer from. I didn't didn't know what autism was, had never heard of it. Uh, The first case I ever received in my graduate training, though, was a young girl who engaged in severe headbanging. Now, in Mississippi, back in 1997, much like in 2019, we're, we're, we're not very efficient at recognizing what we're dealing with at first. Right. So they had just labeled her as intellectually disabled. Uh, looking back on that, she had all the classic symptoms of severe autism. But um, I just had a heart for trying to help her stop banging her head to the point of fracturing her skull. Wow. Uh, and... Applied behavior analysis, which is the field I've kind of devoted my life to, offered ways to help her. Um, I went through my graduate training and uh, helped a lot of children with, with a lot of different labels. And I, I don't like labels. I don't. Right. I like seeing the child, not the label. Uh, but I was fortunate enough as part of my training to go on an internship at the Marcus Autism Center um, and also studied at Johns Hopkins at the Kennedy Krieger Institute under two of the best in the world who specifically worked with individuals with autism. Uh, and so for the, about four years in Atlanta, Georgia, I was able to kind of learn from the best in the world at treating a variety of issues any, everywhere from severe challenging behavior to getting children to speak who were, mm-hmm. were not motivated to speak, children who often you'll see individuals with autism also have some pretty challenging feeding disorders uh, and really just was trying to be a sponge and soak up as much uh, information as I could. And then, you know, my wife who grew up in Hattiesburg said, I'm I'm wanting to go back home. And so we moved here uh, where there's really still at that point was not a whole lot going on uh, related to the type of work I'm trained to do. So I actually took a brief stint uh, thinking I wanted to be a college administrator and was the assistant dean of students at Pearl River Community College for a few years uh, and then just started feeling the pull back into trying to help individuals, not just with autism, but helping individuals through the science of applied behavior analysis. So right. USM, uh, which was my alma mater, uh, asked me to start teaching some courses for them, which I did. But again, the, the horizon just didn't seem very bright for for uh, seeing this science uh, have the support it needed. Uh, so I was actually in Marquette, Michigan, which is on the Upper Peninsula, right off Lake Superior, interviewing for a faculty position at Northern Michigan University when Nathan Upchurch and Secretary Delbert Hoseman's office called me and asked if I knew anything about autism and treatment of autism. And that was in early 2014. And I said, I know a few things. And to make a very long story short, I came back to Mississippi, met with Secretary Hoseman, talked to him about uh, not just the need for insurance coverage, but the need for a profession dedicated to helping individuals on the spectrum and, and other individuals as well through the science of applied behavior analysis, what that meant, and then the need to have some oversight so that that practice is safe for the public. So we were able to write a a bill that was passed that not only created insurance coverage for individuals with autism, specifically for applied behavior analysis, but also created a state license to practice behavior analysis, uh, which is now in its fourth year. And we're up to about 
right at 70 licensed behavior analysts here in the state of Mississippi. That's great. Of course, we are talking right now with Dr. Jim Moore. He's the director of Autism Solutions for Canopy Children's Solution. This is, of course, National Autism Awareness Month. And our first caller, we have David from Horn Lake. David, welcome to the show. What's your question for the doctor? Uh, good morning. Uh, this may be a gen- maybe a generational question or whatnot, and I know with three women that are either had their babies or pregnant now that are e- that are using CBD oil, hemp oil, and or smoking uh, marijuana, and uh, they're claiming that it helps them with their morning sickness and nausea and whatnot. This had another and uh, the the generational uh, throwback. Well, it's legal. They're making it legal. You know what I mean? So my question to you is, maybe this uh, uh, spike in autism may be uh, partly due to the the increase of marijuana uh, usage and or if if there's been any studies on that and if there has been, if the uses of marijuana or CBD oil, how it interacts with over-the-counter medication and how it may interact with um, prescription medications. All right. Thanks for the call, David. Appreciate it. Well, first, I'd like to just disclaim that I am not a medical doctor. I am my, uh, I'm a, have a doctorate in psychology, a doctor of philosophy, but uh, I've worked with num- a number of physicians over my 21-year career where these questions continuously come up. I'm not aware of a randomized controlled trial that has looked at CBD oil or marijuana in any type of medicinal and or treatment effect or interaction effect when it comes to autism. I would say, though, that one of the, one of the dangerous things that, that many families face when they have a child diagnosed with autism are a lot of things claiming um, a cure, claiming relief when there's no evidence. Uh, I've seen families just taken to the cleaners financially, when, and then when you get in and you see the, the overall impact on the child's life, it's been minimal. Right. So I would just... Um, just really say what we need to do is say what evidence currently exists that whatever claim treatment may or may not be good for an individual, whether they have autism or not, uh, what evidence currently exists and what's the quality of that evidence. And when it comes to the to the original question, I am not aware of, of any evidence in that area. That doesn't mean it doesn't exist, but uh, I know that if I were to be asked by a parent to pursue a, a treatment like that, uh, I would ethically have to say no because it is an unvalidated, uh, an unproven treatment approach. In my field, the license that I carry, we have a duty in our ethical code to only use behavior analytic treatments that have evidence. And I know as a parent, you're probably, if you're sitting in this situation, you've got a child, you've got to figure out, okay, what do I need to do to help my child? And, of course, a lot of times, and I know that I've done this in my own personal uh, medical history, it's like, oh, well, I'll go to Google. <laughs> you know, I'll look that up. And really sometimes, you know, social media and maybe the Internet maybe isn't your best source. You need to seek out somebody who knows what they're doing. And, of course, that's kind of the nice thing about what y'all are doing over there, um, you know, at, at Canopy Children's Solutions. You give parents an option. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So really what we what we would hope, regardless of whether you are dealing with autism, whether you're dealing with a broken bone, whether you're dealing with any type of health condition. Go to doctor. That we, <laughs> yeah. we go to the experts yeah. and that they rely on evidence based practice, right. which is is a combination. It's not just that something, you know, a lot of times families will say, well, I looked it up and it's published. Well, nowadays, a lot, there's a lot of ways you can get published. And what the public isn't as aware of is what's the quality of the publication. Uh, is, has, is that published in a peer-reviewed journal? But not only that, is am I using an, a, a, a published finding that's relevant to this child? Right. Meaning I need to be able to collect good clinical data and have the skills to match that. It would be like if I came into a classroom full of, of eager learners. I said, hey, great, guys. Here's the best way to teach German. It's got a thousand and one randomized controlled trials in the best journals, and this is great. And someone raises their hand and says, but this is Spanish class. Right. You know, so I need an intersection of good clinical data, good clinical expertise and experience to 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 basically select 
a published known effective treatment that's going to help that individual. Because that's what we're dealing with as an individual. Exactly. And I think one of the other challenges, too, and of course, I know that it was modified a few years ago, but the actual autism spectrum is about 555 miles wide. <laughs> it, so yes. you, to, to find out where your kid fits on that spectrum is a challenge in itself. It, it really is because, again, you're going to see a child who has a unique life, a unique learning history, unique set of right. behaviors, a unique personality that's just their own. And the, the way that, and the way that autism will impact them is not, there's not a test like you can take a test to see if you have cancer. Right. Uh, and we really don't understand autism nearly as thoroughly as we would like. That's amazing to me. And, and it's been around for a while, and, but it's kind of like, like Alzheimer's. It's like nobody really knows totally what's going on. Right. And ironically, the first, the, the first documented diagnosis of autism was, was here in Mississippi. That's right. Um, and so, you know, you flash forward, you know, several, several decades and our understanding is is still just like a drop of water compared to the whole ocean. And so it's a challenge when you when it's a challenge to identify, first of all, that that's what you're dealing with, because, again, there's not like a, a, a cookbook of recipes that, hey, my child now has autism. Now I do these things. Right. Uh, you have to know that you're dealing with with this that's going to have some pretty uh, significant impacts, especially on their language and communication, and or else you could butt your head up against a wall quite a bit. But just getting in the door diagnostically is just the beginning. Behaviorally, you have to see what does that condition mean for that individual? Right. What are their unique strengths? What are their current challenges? And what are the barriers to them having the fullness of life that their parents and family would like them to enjoy. So a doctor that comes in and basically makes a diagnosis after seeing a child for five minutes probably is not going to be very helpful. No. And that does happen sometimes. It, unfortunately, it does. What are some of the symptoms? I mean, if a parent right now, they say they, they suspect their child may, because usually what does it start presenting around nine months, nine to uh, pretty young? There's a, uh, Florida State University just put out a study of a screening document that they are uh, publishing where they're now able to detect around eight. 18 months, 18 months pr- yeah. pretty good accuracy. Wow. And what are some things that you would be looking for? Well, again, you're, you're having, you, for, for a, if you think about a, a spectrum and two points on the end of it, right. the higher end is probably the most challenging to identify correctly because those children often do speak. Uh, and they just kind of sometimes get labeled as a little, a little different or they're a little quirky or, or things like that. But obviously, if you have uh, a 12 to 18 month old child who is not responding to their name, not showing affection, especially for their mother, as you might expect, uh, not speaking in a developmentally appropriate way, then you would want to definitely no later than the two year old well checkup visit have a conversation with your pediatrician about those things. You said something very important when we were talking before the show. You said that it is very, 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 very important to catch this early because it oh, is. Absolutely. Yeah, because it saves money and it, of course, helps with the overall treatment. Well, if you if you look at some of the best studies that have been done and replicated over the years, we know some, some pretty important things about the treatment. One, Intensity matters right. and dosage matters, and there's no such thing as a little bit's better than none. There is what is medically necessary for them, and then there's anything else. It's kind of like yeah. if you don't take your antibiotics or if you take half of your dose, you can't really expect to get better. Right. Um, and so that's the first. Number two, duration of treatment. How long are they in treatment? The longer they're in treatment, the better the outcomes long term, which then gets into the the third big thing, which is the earlier we can identify this, then the, particularly at Canopy over the last year, we've had kind of an influx of two and three year olds. Mm-hmm. You look at those children now that they're around four years old compared to a four year old we bring in for their first day of treatment. Oh, yeah. And the, the differences are stark. And and really, when you get them that young, one of the benefits is is you don't have a, you're not fighting a lot of learning history. They've not learned that hey, I scream instead of speak, and I get a lot of things, and people yeah. do a lot of things for me. Uh, and they've not really 
interacted with the outside world all that much, which sometimes can be a great teacher, but sometimes be a terrible teacher. Right. And so, yeah, the, the earlier, the better. We're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we'll continue our conversation with Dr. Jim Moore, Director of Autism Solutions for Canopy Children's Solution. Hey, if you have any questions, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call, 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email us at the show, of course, at marshall.mpbonline.org. Hey, stay tuned. This is now you're talking on MPB Think Radio. Whether traveling through Oxford or Tupelo, stuck in traffic in Jackson or Meridian, or cruising along the coast in Biloxi or Ocean Springs, MPB goes with listeners wherever they go. Your company's message can go along, too. Go to mpbonline.org underwriting to find out how. Get your MPB car tag anytime. It doesn't even have to be up for renewal. Simply go to your county office to sign up. When you get an MPB car tag, a portion of the fee helps MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. For details, visit mpbonline.org slash cartag. We'll see you on the road. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Look, if you're just joining us, our guest today is Dr. Jim Moore, Director of Autism Solutions for Canopy Children's Solution. Jim, I'm really glad you're here today. Uh, you've already thrown out some great information for probably parents sometimes that it's hard to get that good information they need and not know. So you're, so you're, you're at that stage. You've probably, um, well, you know, 18 months, you're starting to see some signs. You could go talk to your, your pediatrician. He says, yeah, this, this may be what it is. Your pediatrician probably would know what direction to guide you, but what advice would you give for a parent that's sitting there going now what? Well, it depends. I would say first, it depends on, the age, how long has your pediatrician been practicing? Really? Much like in psychology, when someone was trained really still matters. For yeah. example, an older pediatrician was probably not trained as thoroughly about autism spectrum disorder as right. a younger pediatrician. So we actually get a lot of parents in our clinic uh, where they were of four and five-year-olds, and they said, listen, we started asking our pediatrician at two, and they kept telling us, oh, well, he's just shy or he'll grow out of it. A parent knows when something is right. not right with their child, and and so the first thing is, is persistence. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a free um, uh, pre screener online called the M Chat that a, that some pediatricians use, but a parent can download as well and fill it out themselves. There's the fr- there's free scoring, uh, and it can just kind of tell you are there are on these things we've talked about. Is there a reason for concern? When the state of Mississippi, then the next step after the pediatrician saying, now the pediatrician could say, yes, I believe your child has autism. And in that one visit, they could give them that diagnosis. For most, par- for most parents in Mississippi, if they would like their insurance to pay for treatment, they're going to have to have a diagnosis from a licensed psychologist, a child adolescent psychiatrist, or a developmental pediatrician. Okay. The latter of which there are not very many in the state of Mississippi. So then, unfortunately, the phrase "hurry up and wait." The the families on the spectrum in Mississippi know that phrase all too well. So your first wait is for the diagnostic evaluation, which can be up to two years. Now, everything that we just said before the break, those parents already likely know this that they yeah. need their child in treatment as soon as possible, and so now they have the anxiety of it could be two years. We see a number of families who go out of state oh, for wow. their diagnostic evaluation, then. The next step is okay. What are my what are my treatment options? And there's a lot of things that are kind of it depends. It depends on does your child have any speech, uh, and if so, can you tell if maybe there's an articulation error there? If so, we need to make sure we have a speech language pathologist on the team early. Whereas perhaps if they're not quite yet speaking, and there's no clear uh, issues with the use of their tongue or their lips, then maybe we uh, focus more on behavioral therapy, get them speaking, and then bring in a, a speech language pathologist. 
what's the need for occupational therapy, which is often very needed early, especially yeah. for things like feeding disorders, uh, uh, chewing. A lot, of, a lot of these individuals are, won't won't chew and move food in their mouth in the correct way, use utensils, things like that, dressing, using buttons. Um, so there's a lot of treatment options out there. Uh, I would say, of course, the Surgeon General Center of Disease Control have endorsed, and a lot of other in, uh, bodies have endorsed applied behavior analysis as the gold standard treatment mm-hmm. due to the outcome data that, that are associated with that. There are not a number of providers in Mississippi, not nearly enough providers relative to the need. So I would tell families, get on every waiting list possible. Contact everyone that's within a reasonable distance to you. And when I say reasonable distance, I'm often reminded that a number of the families I serve have moved, have sold their homes and moved. Wow. So that their child can get adequate care. These parents are willing to do anything. What what makes me sad as a parent myself is the fact that they can't get treatment where they live right now, especially in areas like the Delta. What are some of the things, obviously, I know poverty and, and money is a big part of the component. What are some of the things that are holding some of that back? The first one is um, access to training programs for yeah. this profession. Um, I, it's my understanding that Ole Miss is about to launch a graduate program. I know that William Carey University intends on launching a bachelor's program for that level of professional and a master's program. Mississippi College is looking into this. Holmes Community College offers a course that will lead to a registered behavior technician, which is also within our field. So that's one. Um, Salaries in Mississippi are a function of the reimbursement rates that agencies like Canopy and other providers receive from insurance. And we have amongst the lowest in the nation. Right. So even, for example, when I was running the training program at the University of Southern Mississippi, uh, it was almost impossible to keep graduates here in Mississippi because they could go even just right across the state border to Louisiana and make significantly more money. Uh, you can go to Georgia where the Medicaid rate is about twice what it is here in Mississippi. Uh, and that th- those things matter. I mean, right. these, these individuals have families of their own that they – are trying to pay the bills for. So we have a challenge just when it comes to brain drain within the profession. And then mm-hmm. also all the families who can leave Mississippi when their child is diagnosed. If I'm an engineer and I can work anywhere in America, I'm probably going to look outside where there's better services. But the, the, the population, the numbers, and you, you see about the spike in number of children that are getting autism. Some of the, some of the numbers actually is kind of alarming how what the number is, what is, I mean, what's driving that and what does what the, the population look like now? Well, the, the prevalence rate, according to the CDC, is now one in 59 live births. That's amazing. So now, always the first thing you have to ask is, is this a factor of us just being better at looking for true, this? True, true. Uh, and, and because if somebody's on the high end of it, they may have been just considered, like you said, quirky back 25 years ago. Exactly. Yeah. There's actually uh, pretty good anecdotal evidence all the way back to the 30s in Iraq about children who had symptoms that seemed uh, to, to, to mirror what we would consider autism today. Wow. So it could just be that we have a lot of folks. It's now, you know, when I was in graduate school, there was not Autism Awareness Day or month. month. So there's a lot of awareness, a lot of folks looking for this, a lot of parents hearing this information that, hey, by two years old, my child should be doing certain things. Right. Uh, So a lot of really good folks are looking for this now. So that would be the first thing. Um, Other than that, honestly, it becomes conjecture. You know, I'll hear all sorts of explanations as to why there is more autism. And I don't know that we even know that it's that it's truly growing or that we are just now realizing how prevalent it's been. Yeah. So uh, it, it becomes tough. I know that there's a lot of, of uh, really, really talented researchers, including some at UMMC, that are really trying to look at the different genetic and environmental variables that could be contributing to this. Oh, be, I mean, that would be really interesting when they figure that out. It really mm-hmm. will be. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to get my head around this this one question here. Talk a little bit about National Autism Awareness. I'll just skip to another question because that's just how my brain's working today. <laughs> Talk about the purpose of it. How important is it for people to be aware? Well, of course, it's 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 incredible to me. 
it's kind of I I kind of have two ways I feel about this. One, of course, I want awareness because I believe awareness leads to acceptance. Right. Uh, I'm careful. I don't want these individuals stereotyped and labeled. Right. uh, Because these are just individuals and they're mostly children and they're someone's child. Uh, But the awareness that leads to acceptance is, you know, before you see that parent trying to do the best they can getting through Walmart with a screaming child, before you rush to judgment about their ability to parent effectively, perhaps ask yourself, could this be this thing I've now heard about? Uh, Now, don't go up to that person. I always tell my staff, we don't help unless we're asked. You know, we don't go and butt ourselves into somebody's business unless we're asked to. So, but just say to yourself before you judge that person as a terrible human being, because let me tell you, the parents on the, who have a child on the spectrum have felt their judgment. They have felt that I can't even go to a restaurant anymore because everyone is judging me. Yeah. Uh, the guilt and shame that these individuals express to me is overwhelming. So if we can get a little bit of acceptance through our awareness, then that can go a long way because these folks have the fight on their lives in front of them. You know, you, you touched on something really important. A lot of the parents that I know who have kids that have autism, like you said, they will move across the earth to do whatever they need. They'll move the earth that they need. They'll move mountains and so forth else. But they need support too, don't they? Oh, absolutely. Just to some, I asked a family the other day, uh, we, part of their, their treatment plan in, involves parent training fairly regularly. And I asked a family the other day, I said, when's the last time you two have been out yeah. without your child? And that's okay. Yeah. It is okay to go out and and be away from your child sometimes. Because you, you kind of need to have it, a strong marriage sometimes to, absolutely. Be able to be a good parent. The divorce rate within the yeah. autism community is alarmingly high. That's 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 heartbreaking. That's hard. It's a lot of stress, a lot of stress. And they lo- it's real easy to lose yourself yeah. when you're trying to to change the world for your child. I've got a very good friend who I worked with that she literally started. I mean, she did so much research. She, she started a support group for other people. I mean, it was amazing, but it was all driven by the love of her child. Well, let's take another quick break real quick. Of course, we're talking with Dr. Jim Moore, director of autism solutions for Canada children's solution. Hey, if you have a question or a comment, you can give us a call at 877 MPB ring. That's 877-672-7464. This is now you're talking on MPB think radio. MPB listeners pay attention to quality. They look for quality in their work and their daily lives. If your business cares about quality customers, look to MPB. Go to mpbonline.org slash underwriting for more information. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Happy Monday. Happy 1st of April. This is Autism Awareness Month. And to help celebrate that and, of course, to make you more aware, we're talking with Dr. Jim Moore, Director of Autism Solutions for Canterbury Children's Solution. But first, we're going to jump in on a call because Larry was nice enough to call. Larry, welcome to the show. What's your question for the doctor? Thank you. Uh, Good news story about a high-functioning autism we call Asperger's. He could not pass algebra in this private school that required it. So he dropped out, got a GED, had some troubles, but they, and his parents sent him to an electronic training school. That's what he wanted, out of state. Came back and started installing the, eight, the automatic braking system for 18-wheelers. They had that big nationwide company has finished Allied Van Lines and doing others, and uh, got his credit good enough. He bought a house and married, and uh, that, we never thought that we'd see this young man succeed like that. That is a great story, Larry. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, thank you, Larry, for sharing that. There are so many great and awesome stories of just victory that are out there. And it's really about, you know, helping helping chart the individual's path toward the best life that they can have. Uh, about two months ago, I was fortunate enough to go and speak with a bunch of um computer engineers with Microsoft. And there is such a movement nationally 
to really try and address this huge crisis that we're starting to have, which are individuals with autism who have gotten good treatment, mm-hmm. maybe for a variety of reasons, don't take the college route, but now are looking for jobs and have the ability to live independently, uh, to hold down a job and, and usually hold it down extraordinarily well uh, and really find their niche. And so I love, I really appreciate Larry calling and sharing that story. I mean, some of these kids literally have superpowers. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they have, you know, high IQs, they've got ability to memorize and, and they can do. Um, my sister used to, she just retired from the Center for Disease Control, but she said that she she would, some of her, she figured that probably most of her, her staff was on the spectrum, but they were just brilliant, wickedly brilliant mm-hmm. because they could do that. Let's talk a little bit. Of course, last year you opened up uh, the, Gosh, it's hard to believe it's been a year now. Opened up the Center of Excellence in Jackson for Canopy. Talk about some of the services that you do. Well, right now we're trying to to really address the need for early intervention. Our long-term plan is to offer services to all children, school age, all the way up through school age on the spectrum. But we know through what we talked about earlier that if we get early intervention right, we free up more resources for individuals who need it later in life. And so the Center of Excellence on Lakeland Drive and our clinic in Hattiesburg, which we've just opened, really focus on that birth to eight-year-old range of early intervention where we come in. These children are coming to our clinic um, anywhere from 25 to 40 hours a week, uh, which means they're with us every day. Um, And the progress that we are getting to see with them through a variety of empirically validated treatments from applied behavior analysis, it's not all one thing. You know, a lot of times you'll hear people say, well, my child can't sit at a table for eight hours a day. Well, ours don't either. So there's a variety. We have a a really awesome, we'd love folks to come and see our digital sensory playroom. where Which looks brilliant, by the way. I've seen pictures of it. It's it's really, really awesome. And we are able to naturalistically fold therapy into that setting. They Mm -hmm. want to be there. They love it. And so many of of the of the goals that they have in their treatment plans fit naturally into that play environment. Uh, we're, we, of course, there is quite a bit of intensive one on one work. But as soon as a child is able to receive group therapy, that's the type of instruction we would like them to thrive in because yeah. that's what they would encounter in school. Right. And so we start moving them into group therapy as soon as we possibly can. Uh, all the while training the parents in the very methods that we're finding to be effective with their children. We got a call. We got Larry. Hello, Larry. What's your question or comment for the doctor? Hello. Hey, Larry. Welcome to the show. What's your question or comment? Uh, My best friend has a uh, grandson. He's almost two. He doesn't talk. He drews a lot. Uh, He doesn't speak. Speak. How do I go about mentioning to the parents without getting them upset? My wife was a registered nurse for 30 years, so, you know, we think he has an autism problem. Well, it sounds like there's definitely something that needs to to be addressed by a medical doctor. Uh, Whether it's autism or not, it's hard to say, but everything you describe... Uh, I think any concerned friend of the family might say, you know, hey, you know, we think that it would, what what would it hurt if we could find out that, that there is this condition that is treatable, then I think most parents would be receptive to that. It's just, I think the, um, a lot of times good parents are going to become defensive if we're, if not approached quite right. Right. And so it sounds as if you and your wife care about this family. And so let that caring really kind of, speak through whatever it is you say to them to say that, listen, we, we believe you might even mention that, Hey, I heard someone on the radio today and we're not saying it's autism because there is a stigma for some folks when they hear the word autism because of a lot of misinformation out there, but just say, you know, listen, a two year old should be able to say some words, you know, now drooling, it depends on how excessive you're talking about because there is a good bit of teething that happens within the two year old year. Uh, so some of that could be developmentally appropriate. Uh, but I would say, especially the lack of any vocal speech, 
is worth just asking. If if the child's almost two, he should be due a two-year-old well checkup coming up. Uh, now, it's not lost on me that a lot of families are not regularly taking their children to pediatricians mm-hmm. these days. But it, your wife, as a as a former medical professional, could say, "Hey, you know, you should, you know, think about scheduling a two year old well checkup visit, and maybe, you know, ask some questions about his language just to make sure that everything's okay." All right, Larry. Thank you. So I hope that helps, and thank you for the call. Appreciate that. Well, we got a couple more minutes. About three more minutes, I guess. Um, what What do you think the future is for the for for kids with autism? I mean, obviously the numbers are growing. Obviously, the support's growing. I mean, what do we need to do as concerned citizens or concerned parents to 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 make sure these kids are getting the kind of help that they get? We need to advocate. We yeah. need to advocate for as much as many resources as possible. Yeah. I have been fortunate enough in my career to see this done by the best in the world, to see a child that you thought had no future, yeah. no hope, go on and go to college and have a life and have a future that every parent wants when they see that child born. Uh, and our biggest struggle here in Mississippi are access to resources. Yeah, We have to get more trained professionals. We have to be able to keep them in Mississippi. There are some unique ways we've, you know, Mississippi is, you know, we're made up of caring people. We are. And uh, I believe that we now need to just start asking the right questions. Uh, what does what does this cost? But what are the benefits for doing it right on the right. front end? Uh, I believe that within my field, there's a tremendous amount of opportunities to not. J- a lot of times we just want to get the child speaking, but it's so much more than that. How do we make the world that is so readily available to all of us that we often take for granted available to them. And it's through new innovative treatment strategies that can help them navigate a very complex world that doesn't really care for them. Right. Uh, and, sadly. and sad, that's true. Yeah. And uh, I'm really excited. I just hope that especially from the resources end, whether it's through giving, through advocating for better rates in our state, advocating for more training programs, advocating for the legislature to to possibly put some money behind this movement like the state of Michigan has done. Um, you know, to, I think the future could be bright if we choose to make it such. And I would say even on the private sector side, too, you know, just that companies can understand the benefits of oh. having, you know, these, pay, these, auto, these people with autism coming in because they really do, like I said earlier, have some superpowers. Oh, absolutely. So that would be great. Well, Gosh, thank you so much for coming well, in today. This, this has been great. And uh, you can throw out, how can folks find out more information about Canopy's Children's Solution? Our website is www.mycanopy.org. Uh, my email is james.moore at mycanopy.org. Please thank feel free to come by and visit with us, and we'd love to show you around. Thank you so much for coming in today. Well, I've enjoyed you, it. All right. Well, that will wrap us up for today. And if you want to thank Dr. Jim Moore, Director of Autism Solutions for Canopy Children's Solution, for joining us. If you missed part of the show or want to hear past episodes, you can listen to our podcast at mpbonline.org slash now you're talking. Now you're t- talking is a production of MPB Think Radio. It's produced by Michelle McAdoo. Stay tuned for Southern Remedy Health and Fit with Dr. Josie Bidwell and join us next week for more Now You're Talking at 10 a.m. here on MPB Think Radio. Y'all have a great week.